Live from the fish tank, get your host Ronnie with another episode of the DZAC Fantasy Podcast. We have a good one because we have uh, a fun interview today. They're all fun, but fun as in it's like different from DZAC itself. So we get to be silly and kind of talk about something we normally don't get to talk about because it is Super Bowl prop bets with Nathan. And we don't get to talk about it often because, well, the Super Bowl is only once a year. So, yeah. Um, beyond that, though, uh, only one sport this week because basketball, or, well, basketball is the one sport because hockey was on the All-Star break, so that is a two-week matchup on ESPN. Uh, let's see, baseball extensions are done. Um, baseball free agency is only a few days away. Uh, we'll be starting it on the 12th, so look forward to that. Um, other dates of note, um, trade deadlines for basketball and for hockey uh, between the 25th and 26th. So technically the night of the 25th at midnight, but like I'm willing to be flexible because not everyone has Eastern time zone. So if if I don't wake up to it on the 26th, uh, it's too late. So just putting it out of there for for posterity's sake. Um, yeah, I don't think we have any other like league business to talk I mean I guess in theory um football cut deadline is hmm. let me talk to Alex about football cut deadline because I know that's coming up here soon too because yeah I believe it would technically be the 19th so the second Sunday, or sorry, the second Monday after the season ends, which would be the Super Bowl. So which would be the 19th. I believe you have until the 19th to get football cuts in if you're interested. But I will verify that with Alex first, of course. So yeah, uh, that's all the stuff I have to talk about off the top. So let's get into this. And we are going to do the recap first because I want to keep the DSAC specific stuff up top. We'll do the fun part with Nathan. And then I have a bonus segment afterwards. So yeah. All right, well, let's do the trades here, too, because we have those to talk about. So the first one is Spencer trading a third-round pick to Tom in exchange for $10 million in salary cap this year in hockey. Uh, it, it's a trade that happened. I don't really have strong opinions on it. Uh, Spencer proceeded to make another trade after that, though, which I have a bit more opinions on. Um, he traded Matthew Barzal, Alex Dabrinkit, Noah Usland, Zachary Bolduc and a first-round pick to Ping in exchange for J.T. Miller and Victor Hedman. So, let's see here. J.T. Miller, obviously the best player in this trade. I don't think that's really up for debate with the season that he has had. Um, and Victor Hedman also having another really good year. Um, he, he had uh, some some down, maybe maybe like a down year or two relative to his standards, but they also had a lot of playoff runs. So, he finally had a decent offseason to kind of rest up like normal and uh, you know with how many lingering injuries these guys play through perhaps he just wasn't quite 100 percent. but regardless Victor Hemmen is fully back at this point he looks incredible this year he is defenseman number six on the player raider which means Spencer now has defenseman of note eight for Morgan Riley six for Victor Hedman 14 for Josh Morrissey uh, and Noah Dobson is two. So 
pretty loaded decor there uh, in Hillsborough. He has made some incredible moves to <laughs> to get his team to where it's at. And, you know, for the first time in a little bit now, well, I mean, I guess peak Chris could really put a scare into Alex, but this feels like a legitimate time where I think Alex may not be uh, the the comfortable favorite. I mean, it's hard to vote against the guy who's won it every single year so far, but Spencer's put positioning his team to to be right there. So yeah, JT Miller does a little bit of everything. Um, I believe he's over 30 now, so not that that's like a huge deal, but definitely some win-now moves uh, for Spencer. On the other end for Ping here, and I'll, I'll go back and look at the contracts here in a second, but for Ping... Uh, Matthew Barzell is a pretty darn good player. Um, the one thing is that he is a bit... Does he have wing eligibility or no? Because I think he's technically a center, but he doesn't really take face-offs, which is always not the most or not the most ideal situation, but uh, you deal with it. Um, I can find the guy on Ping's team here to look at his... Uh, there we go. Yeah, he's a center, but he's only won 20 face-offs all year. Puts up a ton of points, gets a power play time. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. He's certainly a very pretty darn good player. He is, well, he's 31st center on the player writer. So um, maybe he's not. He's, I bet his contract is probably too high than if he's going to be, you know, a fringe top 30 guy. Oh, that's where the faceoffs really hurt you. But, of course, if, if how concentrated faceoffs are on a couple of teams, um, if you can get a player who is that talented, even if there's no faceoffs, yeah, he's on an expiring deal at eight million per. So you got to think he's probably going to get extended, but it's going to be uh, an interesting contract, I think for sure. Um, the other contractor is Alex DeBrinket getting paid nine million dollars, and he has been disappointing um, lately for Detroit. Started off incredibly hot, but he's just not shooting the puck much. He's averaging like less than two shots per game over like the last like month or so. Um, he's only got a couple goals in that span. Just sorry, he had uh, one calendar or sorry, one goal in the calendar month of January. That's just it's not going to cut it for a guy who gets his value from scoring. So, you know, I don't think I certainly think between the the, the two player swaps, um, Ping comes on the losing end. But first round pick for Spencer in twenty twenty six. Got to think that's probably pretty late, which. Not ideal, but you can always get a good player here. But no Osland, I think, is having a pretty good year right now in the SHL. Um, first round pick for Buffalo in 2022, 16th overall. Uh, playing in the SHL, like I said, top league of Sweden. On loan to Faxio. Uh, nine goals, nine assists, 18 points in 27 games. Uh, not bad for his first real... Uh, taste of the SHL in like a, an actual role so at that age that's actually pretty impressive I, I wouldn't put say he's like a star prospect by any means but he's a, a, certainly a quality prospect uh, Zachary Bullduk, uh 17th overall pick by St. Louis just one year prior so 2021 one year prior for Osland um, he is playing in the American Hockey League for the first uh, time in his career. He finished up his junior career last year, moving to the pro for the first time in his career. Six goals, 15 assists, 21 points in 45 games. That's not bad for, you know, your first time in the AHL. It's pretty decent. Both these prospects are centers too, so 
got to think they'll both at least get to a point where they're rosterable and they'll be decent contributors. So all in all, I think Ping gets a lot of useful stuff back. Um, the odds of that becoming quite the high-end talent that he gave up, eh, not, not great, but I don't think this is terrible. Um, the Barzell contract would be interesting, though, like I said, because it's, uh, it's the lack of face-offs. And I don't know if he really scores enough to make him worth, like, $12 million. Or at least does another stuff. Does enough outside of uh, outside of scoring. We do have another uh, trade here, though. This is basketball. Uh, so this is Spencer trading Max Struss uh, to Keith for a second-round pick. And Max Struss, I believe, in his first game with the Valley Jobin tonight as I record this. Uh, one for five from the field, seven boards, three assists, two points, along with a block. So, oh, also 0 for 2 from the free throw line. So, yeah, not uh, more like min stress. Am I right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's do this basketball recap here. So no records this week. Uh, the first matchup is Ping beating Keefe 7 to 2, 85, 19, and 29 with nine threes and nine stocks from Jamal Murray, 88, 15, and 28, 944 from the free throw line from Bradley Beal, 129, 22, and 34 with 10 stocks, 553 from the field and 15 three pointers from Donovan Mitchell, 86, 28, and 11 with 11 stocks, 530 from the floor and perfect from the free throw line was Kawhi Leonard, 107, 19, and 16, nine stocks, 24 threes from Dante DiVincenzo. Keith, meanwhile, got 100 points, 18 boards, 14 assists, 12 threes from Devin Bissell, 80, 45, and 21 with 565 from the field from Alperin Shangun. Uh, we got Josh and Mike tying 4-4-1. And because of this, Josh retains the belt. This is two weeks in a row now. I think Josh is tied to retain the belt. Last week it was hockey, and this most recent week was basketball. So the grip on the belt may be uh, loosening a little bit from, uh, from such a great regular season team. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. But anyways, in this matchup, Josh got 137, 33, and 31 with 13 stocks, 667 from the field from Giannis onto the Kumpo, 106, 25, and 26 with 11 stocks and 12 threes, 609 from the field from Kevin Durant. Mike, however, got 125, 26, and 36 with 18 stocks, 556 from the field, and 905 from the free throw line from SGA. Got 98, 20, and 18, 554 from the field from Franz Wagner. 74 points, 53 boards, and 620 from the field from Jarrett Allen. Ryan B. Barry, 5-4. Hmm. Interesting. I believe uh, here in America we call that uh, karma. Anyways, uh, Ryan gets 88, 27, and 18 from Pascal Siakam. 93 points, 34 assists, 23 pointers, and 569 from the field from Trey Young, who was surprisingly efficient this week for his standards. Barry, however, got 137, 18, and 27 from Jalen Brunson as uh, Jonathan Kaminga did his five star frog splash to take Joel and beat out for the rest of the year because great things are happening over in Scunthorpe. Lovely locker room and lovely culture he's got going over there. Uh, we got Alex beating Sean 6-3, 102, 28, and 16, 582 from the field from Jimmy Butler, 61, 27, and 32 with 11 stocks and 12 three-pointers from James Harden, who had himself a terrific week, 82, 18, and 25 with 10 threes from Devin Booker, 115, 32, and 25 with 10 stocks and 17 threes from Jason Tatum. Sean, meanwhile, got 87, 22, and 21 from Jalen Green. 
Paolo beat Spencer 6-3 with no standouts. The only standout on Spencer's side was Scoot Henderson. 81 points, 15 boards, 19 assists, and 966 from the free throw line. We have Ahmed beating Kevin 5-4, 78-68-35. 681 from the field from Sabonis. 102-17-14 with 15 steals from De'Aaron Fox. 90-11-21 with 14 threes from Austin Reeves. Kevin, meanwhile, got 113 points, 18 boards, 11 assists, 10 stocks, and 16 three-pointers from Brandon Miller. And lastly, I snuck by Nathan 5-4, 117-20-17 with 5-63 from the field, 1,000, perfect from the free throw line, and 22 three-pointers from Steph Curry, 94-14-24, 9-17 from, from the line, and 13 threes from Anthony Simons, 66-41-19 with 700 from the field from Nurkic. And then 85, 12, and 26 with 11 threes from Damian Lillard. We got 81 points, 46 boards, 31 stock, or <laughs> 81 points, 46 boards, 31 assists, and 10 stocks from Nicole Jokic. 104, 25, and 27 from Paolo Boncaro. Oh, shoot. All right, we have category leaders as I go ahead and pull up something that I need to talk about for the next uh, portion of the podcast so apologies for that dead air bad podcasting such it's all bad podcasting with me for being honest but you know all right ahmed five two nine four from the field ping 848 from the line and 101 three-pointers alex fires back with 317 rebounds and 221 assists ahmed picked up 52 steals Alex and Josh splitting 44 blocks, Kevin with 47 turnovers, and Mike with 933 points. Player of the week was SGA for Mike, who was also in Barry's top five. Uh, Kawhi Leonard for Ping, Kevin Durant for Josh, Donovan Mitchell for Ping, and Jason Tatum for Alex round out Barry's top five. Take a quick look here at the standings now. Fargo, first place, two and a half up on the Connecticut Whale. Ahmed is 10 games back. The Walleye are 19 games back. Barry is 19 and a half games back. Uh, Ping is 20 back. Mike is only two and a half out of the playoffs. And then from there, the, the playoff picture pretty much ends there. Uh, Keefe is technically 16 and a half out. We'll see if, if he can make enough noise there. I kind of doubt it this late in the year. Uh, Ryan is out. Paolo's out. Nathan is out. Spencer is out. Sean is out. And Kevin is out too. So uh, the interesting note here is that Spencer and Kevin are now tied with 53 and a half games back each of first place. We'll see how that uh, gets them down into the lottery. Spencer fighting for that uh, second best odds. So we'll see if he can successfully get there. In the scoreboard here, we have the Blue Water Walleye versus the Queen's exogenous threat. Fourth place versus eighth place. Uh, we've got the sixth place, Alphabama Pop-Tarts, 14th place, Fool. Third place, Ratata Warriors, and the second place, Connecticut Whale. 11th place, uh, new name incoming. You'll hear that in the uh, the interview. Potentially. No, oh, fuck, I just spoiled it. Anyways, uh, <laughs> 11th place, Nathan, and 5th place, Scunthorpe Sexlin. Uh, first place, Fargo Frostbite versus the 13th place, Objection Protection. The 9th place, San Antonio Sauropods versus the 10th place, Yo Sausage, Egg, and Cheese. And the 12th place, Hillsboro Hops versus the 7th place, Valley Jobin, that is basketball for the week. And now I can turn this over to the all-star voting. So 
Spencer conducted all-star voting this year, again, for hockey and for basketball. And you all saw it in the chat, but I want to mention it here, too, because I thought it was a really cool idea. I really enjoyed this aspect of the league. So for hockey first, your center all-stars, Nathan McKinnon with eight votes, Elias Pedersen and Austin Matthews each with seven votes, and Connor David, who only had five votes. At left wing, Brady Kachuk, a unanimous nine votes. Philip Forsberg picking up seven. Artemi Panarin picking up six. And Brad Marchand picking up five votes. At right wing, you've got Miko Rantanen with seven. Nikita Kucherov with six. David Pasternak with six. And the last one, I believe, was Sam Reinhart with five. Uh, on defense, we have a unanimous selection. Kale McCarr with nine. Quinn Hughes with eight. Noah Dobson with eight. And Roman Yossi with six. And in net, Connor Hellebuck with six. And Thatcher Demko with seven. So Demko gets more votes than Hellebuck. Uh, yeah, that's pretty shitty, if you ask me. But hey, one of the people who certainly didn't vote for Hellebuck won't be listening to this podcast anyway. So what do we care about his opinion for? Uh, for basketball, we have Luka Doncic and Tyrese Halliburton at your point guard positions. We have with nine and eight votes, respectively. Uh, shooting guard, SGA with eight, and Anthony Edwards with six. Uh, at small forward, Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant, each with five. There is a pretty pretty widespread here of votes. Uh, at power forward, it is Anthony Davis with six, and Giannis with five. And at center, pretty easy votes here. Jokic with eight, and Bede with seven. It's pretty easy to tell when you have some people voting for their own players, you know, I think that's kind of fun, but I also think PR should matter. Like, I am surprised that like, Jokic and Embiid each didn't have more votes. But, hey, that's the fun of all-star voting. And that's why I took the time to recap it and go over it here. So, uh, yeah, that is all the league stuff, which means interview time. All right, and now to borrow a joke I made last time. Welcome on DSAC's version of Carrot Top because we have a redhead who likes props. Nathan, how are we doing? Good, buddy. Uh, first day off in two weeks, and uh, just kind of having fun and getting ready for the Super Bowl. And by having fun, you're spending your evening uh, with me. So depending on who's listening, they may have a different definition of fun than you, but I'm, I'm glad you are. Yeah, so, no, I, I mean, I work my second job because I can't work, work enough, but now we're here. Awesome. And because we're here, because it's this time of year, of course, and because you are our default betting person, our default degenerate, uh, we have Super Bowl prop bets. So this should yeah, be a lot yeah. of fun. I'm and, a little upset that we uh, missed the bowl games this year, but I just was too busy. But we're here to be degenerate for Super Bowl and gamble our balls off. Hey, not a problem. You know, life happens gets in the way, especially with how busy you have been. Although before we do start this, I do want to point out, because I, I think this might be a burning question for a lot of people, because if anyone is curious, uh, Pennsylvania and Michigan are indeed in the same time zone. I'm sure that's been a, a subject <laughs> of consternation for many people. So just want to put that out there at the top for no reason in particular. Well, that, that, that's a direct shot at me, and deserved, and fair. You're good. I was just very caught off guard when you specified Eastern time zone for me today. Because I've always done it whenever we set up one of these stuff. I always say Eastern because I just, I always track where time zones start begin. And you never corrected me over the last three years. I'm like, all right, well, then he is in Central. Well, <laughs> I, like, it, oh. ne- it never really clicked to me that 
I don't I don't remember that, I guess. So either way, yeah. Michigan is still Eastern time zone. It, in your defense, it does start like right after. Like I think Chicago is still Eastern, but I think not too far west of Chicago is when Central starts. It feels like a central time zone, if that makes sense. I mean, I can definitely understand it because when you look on a map, this is pretty far away from like, you know, like Rhode Island and like New York and Pennsylvania and all of like the East Coast states. I mean, to, to be honest, Pittsburgh sometimes feels like a special time zone. <laughs> yeah, Dad, not, not quite though. So anyways, uh, I don't want to give you too much shit there. So uh, prop bets here, you have, ooh, what are we cracking into? Uh, interview is brought to you by Workhorse Brewery out of Kingdom Prussia. Hmm. All right. Okay, so it looks like you have around 70 for the, the borings and yes. um, around 30 for the funds. Correct. And, and, and the borings, you know, I don't love all of them, but there are some that I think there is some value if you think of there's a certain game script. Of course. So, all right, let's start with your money line bet. Yeah, so I love San Fran. Um, I think they are the more complete team. Obviously, you're betting against Mahomes, which feels stupid. Um, it's like betting against Brady. It just it feels wrong. And at the end of the day, if you lose, you're like, how in the world did I bet against the best quarterback on the planet? Uh, I just do think it's better all around team. I think I, I, I think there's more ways San Fran can beat you than ways Casey can beat you. Casey can only beat you by touch Mahomes being Mahomes, where San Fran can build, beat you on the ground, short pass. And then Kittle, which we'll get into. Yeah, they can just go straight McCaffrey or Brock Purdy or just defense. And it's, or I'm not going to rule out that they have an equivalent of the 2006 AFC divisional round where the Baltimore Ravens and Indianapolis Colts played. A, I believe it was a 15 to 9 game where Vinatieri and whoever the kicker was, the Ravens, scored the only points in the game. That's Although it. I do think this, I do think the San Fran defense is a little overrated, uh, but I agree that the, the defense uh, as a whole, I think, is, is much better. Yeah, that was basically my way of saying I think Jake Moody could potentially just scout for the opponent. Oh, we're gonna get to Jake Moody. Don't don't you worry. Oh, I saw. Don't worry, I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I do have a note on this game or on this bet: is 16 of the last 19 Super Bowl winners have worn white, and San Fran's wearing white. There's jokes here to be made about you in the color white, but we'll, I don't want to flag that in the podcast. So we can move on to the spread here. Uh, yeah, so I love San Fran. Um, I think they're going to control the clock. They're going to control the game. So San Fran minus, minus two and a half. Uh, it just makes sense in my brain for how I, get, I think the game script's going to go. Right. Very interesting note on here, or I guess two interesting notes on here. Yes, so yeah, teams with a better record are 1-15 against the spread since 2003, so that should mean I should bet Chiefs. Uh, I don't feel that, though. And then also, the team traveling west versus the team traveling east is 7-0 and in the Super Bowl in the last 30 years. Again, that's the Chiefs. I should be betting the Chiefs based on the st uh, statistics, but uh, I just I can't get regular series and Chiefs out of my brain. You're, uh, I believe the, the official term here is fading the fade. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, like I mean, you, Super Bowl, there's so many bets, there's so many different stats that you can find to pinpoint whatever you want to highlight. 
uh, it's just a matter of picking the ones you want to choose. And I actually picked two that go against what I think is going to happen, just because I thought they were fun stats. All right. Next up is over under. So I initially, I, I still have down to 47 and a half, and I like the over. Um, uh, the more I think about it, I might switch this to under as we get closer to kickoff, actually. Um, just because, again, how I highlighted it, I think San Fran's going to control the clock. I think the way that San Fran can be beat defensively is running the ball. So more clock, you know, is burned. So right now I have the over, but I'm leaning to switching that to the under, to be, actually, to be honest. All right. And you have a note here. I don't think it's necessarily relevant to this particular bet, but it, it's just a, a regular game note. So I think it's kind of fun, though. Correct. Uh, that's actually supposed to be in the fun section. So I'm going to move that as Oh, all right. Well, while you're doing that, then we have anytime touchdown score. You seem to like Pacheco. You seem to like him enough to put two C's in his last name instead of one. Um, oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's a, I mean, Mike will tell you I am the worst speller of names of all time. So that's, see, that's about to happen. When, when you put two C's in Pacheco, it just makes me think you're spelling out your stutter. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just uh, implying that he's very thick. I mean, that two too. C's. Yeah. I. That was that was a that was a low hanging fruit for me. Sorry. Uh, I mean, mine's not low hanging, but I don't want to get vulgar. Anyway, so I like uh, yeah, I do like Pacheco. Uh, McCaffrey, I think, was like minus two ten, so I didn't want to include him. Uh, it just doesn't feel right to include somebody like my minus two hundred anything. Um, but I do think again, the game script to beat San Fran is running the ball and running it down their throats, and I think it's going to be a lot of Pacheco. So that's where I have him for any time touchdown. I just wanted to highlight a couple others I like. I do think this is going to be a big George Kittle game, so I'll have him lots of places on the street. And then two I wanted to highlight on the Chiefs specifically was MBS and Nicole Hardman to score a touchdown. Uh, this has been stolen from uh, the part of my take, guys, where the Chiefs might be the new Patriots, where they just bring in players from four years ago that left the team and all of a sudden they're good again in big moments. And that's what we're starting to see with the Chiefs maybe. And that's where I think MBS and Michael Hardman just scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl for no real reason might have some value there at plus 550 for MBS and plus 1600 for Michael Hardman. I see you have Justin Watson down here too, but out of curiosity, like I wonder what Noah Gray's would be because I just kind of have a feeling that Noah Gray might be, you know, the guy, yeah. he's the other white tight end and, I actually did look look at him and originally had him written, written down. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, I think it was in the plus fifteen hundred range, okay. similar to like a, a Michael Hart Hartman. But uh, I, I just I like Michael Hart just a little bit more because I think you, you can see an end around with him or something fluky. There's more ways for him to, him, him to score where Noah Gray is kind of locked in. The other one I liked, I think it was plus 3,000, was um, Blake Bell, because I have a rational love for their Bell Dozer. There's, there's a, a person I follow. I don't know if I still follow him or not on Instagram with my card account who was a very big Blake Bell super collector who tries to get every card of his out there, and it's an interesting choice. But I have a couple like that, too, for various like fair state reasons, so I can't really be too worried about that. I mean, there, there, at one point, like Bell was like the preseason favorite to win the Heisman. Like there was that that talk, and then he got moved to tight end. 
Uh, I forget for what quarterback. It might have been Baker. You know, and, and I feel like I remember him as a quarterback then now. Like, I feel like, unless I'm faking a memory. But. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a fun quarterback there for like a year, and then it faded away pretty quick. Um, curiosity here, if I don't know if he's, don't know if he's even still have it up, what are the odds on a Kadarius Tony touchdown? <laughs> I, it was slower than you thought because I thought about it. I think it was plus 1,200. Okay. Like, it was like, shockingly low because he might not even see the field. Yeah, but like I also feel like he might, like the Chiefs might be the type of team that just wants to be like clever. Yes, agreed. But we'll uh, see. I probably should have pulled up my fan my FanDuel account before we started this, but go. All right. For first TD, this is a little less. Oh, I, I don't know if it's more or less fun or not, but First TD is it's still interesting. Pretty similar yes. names here. Yeah, it's similar in what I think could, could happen. Uh, I mean, if you know my gambling habits, I, I do very low wagers that have a high probability of even a small yield. So if I'm watching a game and first time touchdown is plus 600, I'll take the first guy and then the next five. So as long as one of those six guys score a touchdown, I break even or make, or make money. It doesn't work when Christian McCaffrey is plus 300 or plus 320 for first touchdown. You can't bet on three guys. It doesn't work that way. Like, you're not hitting yourself enough. Um, but Pacheco at plus 550, like, I love Kittle at plus 1100 and Rasheed Rice at plus 1000. All really nice values and ways I could definitely see it happening. Yeah. And like, anything with yeah. the, with the, with the uh, touchdown uh, wagers. Like, I understand the odds are going to be the way they are for a reason. But, like, I feel like Christian McCaffrey is, like, probably the, the sensible choice for probably all three of any time, first time, and last time. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it, it's it's a smart play, but if we're here for gambling, like, you probably should be taking the odds into account. Like, Oh, absolutely. And, and finding some, some value. Yeah. But speaking of last time touchdown score... Yeah, last time I just because it's the Chiefs, like you're, you're gonna go to your best player. So Kelsey at plus six fifty makes a lot, a lot, a lot of sense to me. Especially uh, for the last touchdown, because you know with with Taylor Swift's contract and her travel schedule, you know they're saying it may be a close call for her to go to the game. So maybe the Chiefs want her to see the touchdown. If she's not there for kickoff, she might be there for the end of the game. So you want to use Kelsey at the end, kind of cap it off, so she can see right. Sound correct logic. because the NFL's rigged. Sound logic there. Uh, but again, like you just want to go to like your biggest playmakers late in the game, you know, last, last two minutes. And it just screams Kelsey plus six fifty. CMC at plus four sixty is pretty outrageously low. Um, I wouldn't even, even bet it because plus four sixty that shouldn't happen. But Brandon Ayuk at plus a thousand is kind of fun because you saw the way he turned turned the game against the Ravens with that big play. So I can see them going back to him more often. Yeah, I think he definitely had a bit of a coming out year this year. I think he's primed to be a, a stud. If if he if people don't already consider him one. Well, I, I don't know if I'll go stud. Uh, really, really good player. Can we agree on that? Uh, Tom won't listen to this, so yeah, I'll agree to that. Okay, I, I just pulled it up now. Uh, touchdown score props have updated. McCaffrey is minus two thirty <laughs> for any time. That's absurd. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's like the the most obvious outcome at any point in the game. Like you could tell me that literally anything could happen, but like the one thing I would bet is for sure going to happen is he's going to score a touchdown. You could tell me anything else could happen. Mahomes would not throw for a touchdown. Hey, you know, maybe not. But the one thing that is going to happen for sure is he's going to score. Fantastic. Could you imagine a franchise ever trading him? It would be hard to hard press. I you may see it in DSAC though. Uh, I think there's pretty good odds there that he will not be a walleye after next year. But that's that's more to do with my situation than him. I meant like real NFL franchises. But yeah, sure. Let's I, talk about the walleye. I was trying to get you, about you. I was trying to, you know, avoid, you know, your your sorrow. That's all I have. So I don't know if I told, told you this. My um We'll say a different group chat that I'm in that is maybe related around fantasy because I don't want to break the commandments. Um, <laughs> everybody's fan or everybody's real life team made the playoffs last year. Oh no! And there was only three of us that did it. It was a Ray, a Ray two Ray, Raiders fans, and myself. So we created a separate group chat called the Broken Ones, where it's a safe place to us just to vent and be ourselves and be miserable. But we did just induct our newest member, who's a Cowboys fan. That was fun this year. I, I feel like being in your league with where you are, there's probably a lot of Eagles fans, though. So like, it makes sense that you know most of them would make the playoffs because I bet at least half the league is Eagles fans, right? It's only two, three. Wow, that's kind of shocking, actually. Yeah, so we have Philly, Miami, Dallas, San Fran, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Vegas. I think those are all the teams covered. Okay. It's a pretty good spread. Oh, oh and Giants. Okay. That poor yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, he's broken. He's also a seat, seat Hall fan. So. Not fun. Oh, yeah. That's. Anyways, uh, passing over unders. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to love Mahomes over on those. Even though I think the game script is Pacheco, I think, you know, 262 for Mahomes seems pretty low, even though he's known to have these fluky games, even like uh, against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl two years ago. Like, if he gets enough pressure, he's going to put up a 190. I think even last year, he only had like 205. Um, yeah. I would... again, game, game script, I think he'll still get the yardage. Yeah, I would probably go under just because – like, not that I don't think he's good, because clearly he's incredible. But like you said, I just, I don't know, I just, I feel like in a big game like this, they won't, you know, put the whole game on his right arm. I think there's a chance we're entering the fourth quarter and we're saying there's no way he's going to hit the over. And then he hits the over somehow by throwing like 78 yards in the fourth quarter alone. Yeah. Just, just one 80-yard touchdown to Kadarius Tony. Sure. Or MBS. Or Nicole Hartman. Or just a monster. Or the bulldozer. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, no, like a jump pass. Yeah. You go under on Purdy, which I don't mind. Yeah. Again, game, game, game script wise, I, I think San Fran is going to be in control, control all the clock. Um, and 245 just seems like a lot, even though I, I know Purdy's been, been great this year, but just doesn't feel like that game. Uh, for touchdowns, then, same story for over-unders here. Correct. Yeah, Mahomes, um, again, while I think Pacheco has a big game, it, I think it could be a lot of screens or, you know, a little wheel-around stuff. And then Purdy, again, 
they're just going to trust the running game and their offensive line and run behind the best man of football, Trent Williams. So, so. For, for the listeners at home, the over-under for both these quarterbacks is one and a half touchdowns. Yeah. So I would probably go over for Mahomes here. I, I agree. I would probably go under on the yardage, like I said. I would go under 262.5, but over on the touchdowns. But that's just me. And I'm not a better, so don't listen to me. Well, I am a better, so you probably should listen to the opposite of me. So, yes, probably go under on yards because, again, gamblers bet off hard gut sometimes, and it never works. But when it does work, it's all all we talk about for months. That's how I play fantasy with my gut. Don't look. Don't, don't look. Don't look at Wally football side, history. I said, don't look at Wally football history and see what playing with my gut does. Um, I love okay. that diary. Well, I was probably going to discontinue it if I won the championship. So luckily for you guys, it's around for eternity. Anyways, enough <laughs> about my team. Uh, completions over unders. Yeah, so I actually flipped on this one. I think again, um, Mahomes' completions are going to be under. I think there's a couple more big play potential there with uh, Kelsey. And Rasheed Rice, on Purdy, I think a lot of checkdowns. Elijah Mitchell, CMC's up some screens to Ayuk and Debo. Uh, I think he could easily cover, you know, 22, 23 completion. Alma Holmes might get the yardage, but only have, you know, 19, 20 completion. The line is 20. Yeah, the line is 25.5 for people curious. Or at least on the, and for Nathan's most recent odds, it is. Correct. And Purdy's is only 20 and a half. Yeah, so. and you're going over on Purdy. So. And I'm going over on both passing attempts, um, which Mahomes is 36.5 and Purdy's 31.5. Uh, again, I, I see a ton of screens in this game. Uh, wheel routes, short passes, I think that's the best way to exploit it. But game script, though, all this, all this run game you're talking about, and you think both these quarterbacks will be airing it out, theoretically. Well, so, so when I say game script and I say running the ball, I include screen that because it is a high percentage completion when you're getting your back the running or you're getting the back the ball behind the line of scrimmage. True. But it still counts as a completion. That's true. Um, so on the next one for the longest pass completion, I actually took the under on Mahomes only because it was plus money. It was plus one thirty five, um, and I just I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity uh, at third. Under third, 36 and a half. It could flirt with, you know, 33 or third, 38, something up ballpark. Um, if I actually took the under on that and the over on the Purdy's longest completion at 37 and a half, because Debo, CMC, or IU could just explode at any given time and they're gone. Yeah, my, in my head, my thought was like a deep ball to Ayuk when I saw yeah. that. Or Kittle, you know. 15-yard crossing route that he breaks one tackle and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, oh, oh, good. I was going to move on to the next one, but go for it. That's what I was doing, too. Okay. So, Mahomes and Purdy actually have the same odds to throw an interception at minus 115. And I love them both to throw a pick in this game. For different reasons. Purdy, first, Super Bowl. He's been very calm, but he has some shaky moments. Emma Holmes, I think, is going to try to do too much, and he's going to, going to get stuck and throw, throw a pick at some point. All right. Yeah, some fun uh, attempting a pass here for non-quarterbacks. Yeah, so every Super Bowl I've ever gambled on, there's always over under two and a half players to attempt a pass catch up. 
every Super Bowl. It's my favorite bet ever. I always take the over. This year, they didn't have it grouped together. It's usually like plus 300. But this year, you could pick who you think is going to have it as a uh, And I could see any Kyle combination of CMC, Debo, Kelsey, uh, Belldozer, yeah. any one of those guys to, to throw a pass in this game, plus the always inevitable San Fran quarterback gets hurt again. Oh, so yeah. there's Sam, Sam Darnold waiting. So if you can ever see a, or if you do see over under two and a half passing players, take the over. Which player it's going to be, I'm not quite sure, but I think there is one. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, this next one here, we could probably group all these together to, I don't want to say save on time, but kind of save on time. Um, no, absolutely. <laughs> these are over under for receiving yards. Yeah, so what, do you want to group the unders together and the overs together? However you want to group them together. This is your this uh-huh. is your time to shine, buddy. Oh, great. So um, some unders, I like I like Kelsey under 71 and a half. Um, I love San Fran's middle of the field, Fred Warner. Um, you know, just, just to shadow Kelsey a little bit, and they have great safe, safety help. So I like the under on that. I do like him to score a touchdown, but just not 71 and a half yards. Ayuk, I think he's going to be the main target for the Chiefs secondary because he was a little banged up. So I think they're going to shift everything to Ayuk and, you know, really shade him. Um, overs in general I like is Kittle, 47.5. I think Kittle, huge game. Um, Rasheed Rice, 67.5, again, where I think they fade to Kelsey. Rice a little more open. CMC over 33 and a half and Pacheco over 16 and a half. Again, screen game. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of that. This And then, you know, just some flyers. Justin Watson over 16 and a half. That's just one ball he catches over the middle and that's a completion. So that's kind of where I like, I like, I like there. All right. Similar deal here for receptions. Yeah. So receptions, uh, again, where I said about Kelsey under six and a half. Kittle over three and a half, which to me is shockingly low. I think, again, I can't praise enough about Kittle in this game. I think it's a great matchup for him. Um, Rasheed Rice, I have under six and a half, despite going over on his yards, because I think there's one or two big big plays there. Over on both running backs, receptions, four and a half for McCaffrey, three and a half for Pacheco. And then uh, when I snuck in, in, in here, longest reception for George Kittle, the line is at 28 and a half. And I like the over on that, obviously, given my uh, sneaky love. Not really yeah. sneaky, but my love for Kittle in this game. To be clear, it's 20.5, right? Correct. 20.5. Not 25. No, I, it just sounded like you said 28 for a minute. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, yeah, just my stutter. Okay. I, that, that promise that wasn't a joke. I was just wanted extra clarity <laughs> for, for people listening. Um, That's not good. Over-unders on rushing, both the SE yards and attempts here. Yeah, so uh, 91 and a half for McCaffrey rushing just seems like a lot for Super Bowl. Um, especially going against, um, why am I blanking on his name? Defense tackle. Chris Jones. The Chiefs. Chris Jones. Chris, Chris Jones, yeah. It just seems like a lot. He's going to mess some things up there. So I like the under for his rushing. But I do like the Pacheco over for 67 and a half. Because you can run against San Fran because they more or less just pin their ears back and rush the quarterback. Which is why I like Mahomes over 25 and a half rushing and Purdy over 12 and a half. 
that Purdy game last week where they started to run the ball a little bit with him, it was two big scrambles. I think that might have been a precursor for what's to come. So I really like that a lot. Right. Do you want to touch on the attempts there? Yeah, sure. Um, again, I have the under on CMC attempts, rushing attempts. I think he'll have a ton of touches, but I don't know if it's going to be straight rushing attempts against the screen game. And Pacheco over 16 and a half. Um, I like the over that. That was also plus money. I believe that was plus 120 when I looked at it, or plus 110. Um, again, game script. You can run against San Fran, hand the ball off to the guy with his hair on fire. Yep. Guy who runs like he's angry at the ground. Yeah, I saw that one, or I saw he runs like he's a toddler that just stole something. Yeah. Both are apt. Accurate descriptions. And he's from Rutgers, so he's probably used to running for his life. Yeah, a lot of lot of not so talent there with uh, some of the big Big Ten schools they they got to play. Yeah, I'll, Big Ten schools. <laughs> I'll I'll never forget Michigan versus Rutgers in 2016. That was a bloodbath. Yeah, that's Rutgers. Well, although Greg Greg Schiano got them back up to uh, bowl game and beat Miami this year, so they yeah. could be back on the rise. Yeah, I'm just saying that because that one was like a like a 76 to nothing or something. Like, that was like particularly hey. bad. And your starters probably didn't play the second half. Yeah, they were just running up the gut with like the third and fourth straight running backs and still getting like eight yards of carry. <laughs> yeah, absurd. All right, two quick defensive ones, it looks like. Yeah, so, I mean, defense, you can, it's all kind of a flyer. Uh, Chris Jones, to get a stack, is plus 132. Uh, he's a game wrecker. He may only rush the quarterback three times a game, but when he does, he usually gets close. So I, I thought that was good good odds. What if he and gets then a- I took... What if he gets a half? A, what if he gets a half a sack? I think it still counts. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then because I think both quarterbacks throw an interception, I didn't know who to take to get that interception, so I took an Oregon Duck. So that's the only reason I put Lenore down for interception plus eight. See, I was gonna make a joke about Ambry Thomas for Michigan reasons. So I don't even, I don't yeah, even know so, if he's healthy or not though. All right, the next one up here is kicking. This is where, hey, Jake Moody, nice to see you. But I don't like this under. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I, I don't mind it, but I just wanted to be up, upset because it's my guy and it's an under. Yeah, I mean, he's been shaky is a good word, I guess. He hasn't been, been reliable and trusted, so I think the under just, just makes sense there. Plus, if you think, you know, CMC, Kittle, Red Zone, Great threats. I think there was a little less kicking opportunity. He made more extra points. So seven and a half points for him is a lot. Where I think Bucker, the over on seven and a half makes sense because that offense can stall in the middle of the field between third, the thirty and the fifty. So they're going to go off charity. Yeah, but I mean, hey, uh, when Christian McCaffrey runs for eight touchdowns and uh, Moody kicks eight extra points, who will be laughing then, huh? Oh, I can't wait to lose that 25 cents if that happens. <laughs> All right. You had a, a first half. Yeah, so I like the Chiefs actually to be winning going into halftime. San Fran has a, this weird thing where they start a little slow and it doesn't look right. It looks choppy. And then Kyle Shanahan does whatever he does. And the third quarter, they come out guns blazing. Um, you saw in Detroit game, again, 
it just there's something about this team, whatever they need, and Kyle Shanahan's great at making in-game adjustments. So I like Chiefs actually actually to be winning going into, into our great super, halftime Super Bowl performance. All right, interesting. Uh, uh, there were yeah, there was a winning margin bet that I saw, and I kind of like it plus eleven hundred to the winning team to win by exactly six points. I don't know why I like that number. It just I saw it and it made sense to me, and I could definitely see the final score being thirty-seven third or thirty-one or twenty-seven twenty-one. Someone in the ballpark. Yeah, I feel I feel like six in general with how football scoring works is a decently safe number. Is both in in terms of a bet that is inherently unsafe because of how um, specific it is. Yes, it's very, and it wasn't like the worst odds. It wasn't the best odds, obviously. I think the best odds I think I saw were plus um, exactly winning by four, three or four. Um, let me see if I can find that really quick. Exact score, exact game winning margin. Team wins by exactly three is plus four fifty. By seven plus seven fifty, and six is plus eleven hundred. I'm surprised. So to I'm, me, yeah. I'm surprised that. Six has worse odds than seven. Agreed, because I think there's going to be a two-point conversion. Spoiler alert to further down the sheet, but yeah, I think that's going to throw off the scoring a little bit. Yeah, I just I feel like very rarely do you see a margin by exactly one touchdown plus an extra point. Correct. All right. Uh, what they just alluded alluded to, I think Kyle Shanahan's so brilliant for in-game strategy change. I think the highest scoring quarter is going to be the third at uh, plus six hundred. Good odds, um, good value, and I could easily see them coming out and San Fran scoring 21 by themselves in the third in the third quarter. All right, what do you have about next for us here? Uh, next one is MVP. Obviously, both quarterbacks are the heavy favorite, um, but I just wanted to highlight CMC at plus 450, Pacheco plus 3500. And Kittle plus seven thousand because again, my love for Kittle is forever. Yeah. And plus seven thousand is a lot. So if he has two touchdowns, hundred and fifty yards, they're gonna have have that conversation for sure. Okay, so for the last seventeen Super Bowls, only five non QBs have won MVP. Oh, I know. That's the quarterback is the odds-on favorite. I, I thought that was just like without. It went without saying. Like I didn't mean to say that Mahomes or Purdy. But oh. actually, I did read that Vegas is mortified of Sam Darnold because he's at plus thirty thousand or plus twenty eight thousand. <laughs> that if something happens, like they like consumers might go under a little bit. Oh jeez. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't pick seventeen as like some arbitrary number because Heinz Ward did it at the eighteenth Super Bowl. I just picked seventeen because that's as far back as the Colts. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, and, and who won that one? Uh, the Colts did because they beat Chicago that year. We don't like to talk about what happened three years that after. Devin that. Hester. Yep, Devin Hester returned yeah. the opening kickoff, and the Bears did nothing else. Prince had a great halftime show, and the game was decently kind of boring. Yeah. There's the if you haven't seen it, I would recommend go watching the halftime show, watching Prince play "Purple Rain" in the pouring rain. Oh, oh, that, that was that Super Bowl. That's a fantastic, fantastic halftime. Yeah, like widely considered one of, if not the best. Yes, agreed. All right, anyways. 
one I saw was a little shocking. Uh, shortest field goal was over under at 27 and a half. I think if any one of these teams gets into the red zone, they're pretty much going to score. So I like the all, all, over on that. Yeah, so that. And the, long, and the longest goal was 47 and a half. I also took the over. I think Harrison Bucker is going to kick the 50 yarder at some point. Or Jake Moody. He had some big kicks at Michigan. I wouldn't be surprised, but you never know. I'm going to say the under on Jake Moody hitting a big kick over 50. If I can bet that somewhere, I will. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, you have uh, missed kicks, or fakes, rather. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So there was a promise all for will there be a fake punt or fake field goal? And the yes was plus 920. I actually don't think there's going to be one, but those odds were fantastic. So I just wanted to highlight that. I'm not betting that one. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. But plus 920 is kind of juicy. Yeah. And then uh, missed field goal is plus 114. Not going to happen. Oh, I, oh no. I, I, have, I have a lock on this one. I forgot something about that one. Um, so it's, it's plus oh, 14. Um, and specifically, I'm going to say it's going to be. Yeah, no. Jake Moody's going perfect. Gentlemen's agreement? I, I don't know. But what do you mean? Like, like I, I gentlemen's bet. You want to bet something on that? Well, that I think it was perfect? Uh, I'm going to say no because I let you off the hook when we could have had a gentleman's bet earlier in the year related to college football and quarterbacks. So. Oh, yeah, Joe Mill. Yeah. I almost sent you something on Instagram uh, the other day saying it was a, a highlight reel saying, Joe Milton will have the strongest arm at insert Tennessee town here, Toyota. <laughs> I did may or may not watch the senior bowl practice. And man, every 10 yard out was a bullet, but it was three yards over their head. Hey, he's he, no one ever said he's not exciting. He, he's just new age Kyle Buller and it's fun. Yeah. I'm sorry that I like fun. All right, total punts. You anyway, get, total have, punts, yeah. Have, I got the under at seven and a half. You have to take the uh, under on that. Yeah, nobody wants to root for punts. So if you're rooting the over on punts, you're a loser. Uh, but I do like San Fran to be the first of three punts because, again, I think the Chiefs are going to win the first half. So logically, it makes sense that San Fran would have three punts. Yeah. Touchback punt feels probably safe. I feel yeah, like. plus one third, third, fourth. The plus side, which I was a sucker for, uh, but we'll see. Defense or special teams touchdown? No, is minus three fifty-five, and I only included this because every other bet I've listed so far is probably a loser. So at least this, you can make some sense back on the dollar. <laughs> so just to clarify here, if if there is a fake field goal or a fake punt, is that still special teams, or does that count as offense then? No, that's that's special special team. Okay. So if yeah, if there is a fake one, I took the yes, and then they scored a touchdown on it. I it's not gonna be great, okay. gamble wise. Yeah, I just wanted to double check because I I, I wasn't sure because obviously they would count as offensive stats like rushing or passing yards, but it's correct. Like special but it's still a special team unit. Okay. Uh, total sacks under four or four and a half. Um, I like both quarterbacks being running a little bit, so I don't that's gonna happen. Uh, first team to throw an interception. I like the 49ers at minus 110. Again, I think it's going to take a little bit for Brock to get comfortable and settle down. That's kind of where I'm on that, on that 
Okay, but I'm gonna brief in here because I think this is probably a good point to a good point to interject this. What's the line on over under for defensive pass interference is called against the 49ers? Just so people can have their rape jokes. Okay, hold on. Is that actually I, a thing? You, you you can bet on how many times a team will commit like defensive holding or DPI. You no, you can't bet specific bets, but you can bet how many times a team is flagged. Oh, okay. Or, well, total, or total penalties or stuff, stuff like okay, that. I've, that. I've seen that before. That's a little less fun, I guess. Yeah, and it's not as specific. Yeah, I can't find it in the moment. Yeah, don't worry about it then. It's not that yeah. important. All right, uh, Jersey first touchdown. Yeah, so the line's at 19 and a half, which is horrifying because you have Pacheco and Debo and both quarterbacks on the under. But the over has McCaffrey, both tight ends. So I took the over because that makes more sense in my brain. Yeah, that's, that is a... I, I don't know where I would go. I would really have to sit around and think about that for a couple minutes to come up with my, my opinion, I think, on that. So nobody wants to hear that. So let's move on to people with tight end. Or people with touchdown. Yeah, people with touchdowns. I've never seen this bet, bet before, but it was kind of fun. Um, it was, the line is four and a half, and it's minus 140, so it's not great odds. But if you think people are scoring touchdown are, in my opinion, McCaffrey, Kelsey, Kittle, and then one other, you know, maybe Kyle Yushet or Michael Hardman or Blake Rasheed Bell. Rice. <laughs> the Belldozer. Yeah, who knows? But like, like, I got to three pretty quickly, but I couldn't get to five. So that's where I'm, le- I'm leaving the under on four and a half people with the cut down. Yep. Uh, this next one is one of my locks. It is uh, shortest touchdown over. One and a half yards. Darren's pulls. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Plus 124. Like, we're not going to get a tush push. So, I I don't see a touchdown under one and a half yards. I think it's a lock. We'll wait till you find out how uh, Brock Purdy's going to tunnel through. They're going to call it the 49er underminer. It's going to just. I'm not responding to that. That joke worked better in my head, I think. (laughs) Uh, Two point Uh, attempt. But no, if you think that the shortest touchdown is going to be an under, you need to bet uh, Kyle Juszczyk's touchdown because that's the only way it's going to happen, I think. Uh, Two-point attempt, yeah, the odds were too juicy at plus 1260 for there to be a two-point attempt. Not a completion, but an attempt. So that just makes sense yeah. for value. Exactly, especially oh, well, especially two teams that aren't, uh, aren't too, uh, too, too scared of it. I mean, it's not Dan Campbell, but yeah. they also have good offenses that, and red zone complementary offenses that it, it could have. Um, largest lead, uh, under 14 and a half. I think it will always be a two-score game at the very least in this game. That feels so, incredibly high. Like, I would have probably put it like maybe like 10.5 in my head. Uh, yeah, I thought it was maybe like a, nine, a 9.5, 10, 10.5 when I saw it, 14 and a half. And it was minus 110 on both sides. It kind of just made big sense. I already watched you log that one in. Yeah, wow. Uh, score in the final two minutes. Realistically, it's probably going to happen. Uh, but Noah's plus 270. 
Ag, I'm sucker for plus time, so give me the plus 270. Same with the last play being a kneel down at plus 158. And then will there be an octopus, uh, which is where a player scores a touchdown and then the two puck conversion immediately after? That's plus 980. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. The only way it's going to happen is a Kelsey or, or, or McCaffrey or Kittle. Uh, probably not going to happen, but just wanted to include it. It's always a fun bet. Yep, and let it be known that off air, because I made fun of you at the top with, with the, the time zones. I got to make fun of myself here to even it out. Um, it, for As a Red Wings fan, you know, those of you who follow hockey, so Alex, who's not listening, um, it's kind of tradition for rubbings fans, you know, in like clutch games, especially around playoff time to like throw an octopus on the ice. So in my head, I saw octopus, like they're going to bet on an octopus being thrown on the field. And then I had to remember, Oh wait, no, I remember this from last time we did this where it's something to do with like scoring and you explained it, the touchdown plus the two point conversion, eight points, eight tentacles, octopus. Yeah. And last year's actually the first time I ever saw it. So but it's a fun bet. So I'm cool with that for plus nine, eight, eight, eight is worth that. $25. And now, after all that boring stuff, we get to talk about the fun stuff, right? Yeah, that's the point we all watch the Super Bowl because, I mean, at least, at least why I watch it because my team's never going to be back there again. So give me the fun stuff. And I want to gamble on it, and I think work's going to be slow. So my bartender is already involved in this. And we're doing $0.25 cents for all, the, all of these events across the board where the fun stuff. I cannot wait. But I do have heads being the winner at minus 104. I know tails never fails, but it feels like a heads here because of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Heads. How vulgar. Uh, toss winner. Uh, I have the Chiefs winning the toss. I do have a note here. Super Bowl teams that win the toss are 1 and 9 in the last 10 Super Bowls. If I'm thinking San Fran, I gotta go with this and Chiefs to win the toss and then lose the game. And coin toss winner to win the game is actually no and minus 104. So almost even, it's worth it. Uh, everyone's favorite bet, and I didn't include this in the sheet for my research, but the national anthem at over 90 and a half seconds. I'm actually changing that because I did some more research today. That's going to be an under now. Uh, Reba has performed the national anthem seven times. Going back to the 1974 rodeo finals and was recently at the 2017 Celebrity <laughs> Hope softball game. And her most famous one was the 1998-97 World Series game three. Her longest time is a minute 25 seconds. That's 85 seconds. I think the under of 90 and a half seconds is awesome. Give me that all, 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 all day long. Uh, I'll send you a screenshot because I actually found it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Get ready for oh, yeah. this fun. Did I watch the rodeo finals from 1974 just to watch the national anthem? You bet your ass. It was awesome. <laughs> wow, only a minute 12. She really. Plowed through that at a young age. She was flying. Go on, Reba. She did another rodeo thing 10 years later. That's like the most. And another one, like, 40. Like, why are so many of these rodeos? <laughs> uh, the woman loves rodeo, and there's nothing wrong with rodeo. 
as a man that went for the world's largest and smallest talky talk in the same night. I can tell you, radio can, can, can be fun. Yeah. All right. So the next one is Gatorade Color. Uh, the last six in order. Purple, blue, orange, blue, yellow. I listed five. What the fuck did I do? Um, anyway. I like purple at plus 175 and blue at plus 330. It feels like a blue year because the San Fran 49ers beat the Lions, which are blue, and the Chiefs beat the Ravens, which are purple. Basically, one of those two teams as a spike play. No real justification, but could have. Honestly, I love your logic there. I think that's hilarious. I mean, like, those teams don't seem very spiteful. San Fran may be a little spiteful, but uh, this would work better if the Lions were in it because they would definitely do something spiteful because they beat San Fran and definitely do red. But I don't think it's going to be the case in this one, but it was worth including. Yeah. Then we have the, right. then you have the no Sean Moreno invitational. Oh, I went, I was thinking of uh, Nick Sirianni. Because oh. he was blowing his eyes out last year and everyone made, made fun of him, even though it was a very real reason to be crying. So is Will someone cry during the national anthem? Yes, plus 200. No, minus 310. So give me the yes all day. Someone might cry. Whether they show it, we'll see, but. Uh, next one I have is, will a word be forgotten during the National Anthem? Uh, as someone who's taking the under on the National Anthem, I hope several words are forgotten. <laughs> so I'm going to take the yes at plus 500. Okay. Uh, added context here, Reba is only 68 years old, so I don't think being senile is really kicking in at that age. I would hope not. And stone cold socks. You really have but a thing for, for the redheads, I guess. Huh? <laughs> I actually don't like redheads. But um, there, there was a national anthem, I think, three years ago, four years ago, where the over would have hit, but she forgot a full phrase, so the under <laughs> actually hit. So uh, this is a real-life thing that has happened. Uh, oh, I love next it. I got it. <laughs> I love this. Let's, let's keep going. I'm going to laugh in the background at this at this one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, who will the MVP thank first? Uh, teammates are minus 145. God is plus 135. Uh, teammates are a lot. You always think the teammates first and then God. There's actually a few more lists, including coaches in the city, but they were all plus 1,000. Get rid of those. Pick between teammates and God and which one you love more. I think the MVP likes his teammates more, or at least first, and then God. Uh, next one I got is, will Travis Kelsey propose on the field? Uh, the yes is plus 1020. Uh, if you get married after five months of dating, it's not going to work. So I'm going to take the no and make no money, but I'm just going to be correct. Okay. What about uh, presidential? Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? A presidential pardon? No. Like, I don't know. Like, like you know, all, all the conservatives are like, oh, she's going to, you know, Taylor Swift's going to go and she's going to, you know, stump for Joe Biden at the, it's all a publicity stunt here. Do we have, do we have oh, odds on? Uh, nah. I'm not, I'm not going to talk politics because I don't know anything. I'm okay. not a politics guy. Yeah. I was just being like 
like funny because you know once again there's like legitimate conspiracy theories that this whole thing is just a, a platform to like pump up joe biden <laughs> what actually would, would be funny is if they did get married but they never consummated the, the marriage and he could just get out and just talk about to go well like this would be her money she makes more money oh that could be fun that's a fun fun twist versus left versus right so she has to give up half her money so, we, so when, when you're talking about, you know, uh, whether or not they consummate the relationship, is that your talk? Is that your segue into any ejections? <laughs> it wasn't meant to be, but it is now. Um, so, will there be any ejections? Uh, yes is plus 725. And no, it's <laughs> 1800. Um, I don't foresee any ejections on the field. Uh, I'm just glad I got a legitimate laugh live on the podcast. That's really good. They have cameras in the goalposts this year, I heard, like three cameras in total, I think. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, I believe they're literally calling them the doink cams. Oh, I love them. Cairo Ky- Santos oh, is never... I'm not going to make a doink cam joke, but you can search for <laughs> All right. Uh, will the first challenge stand or be overturned? They're both 110. Um, I kind of like it to be a stand, with the question mark. Take whatever one you want. I just wanted to highlight that there. All right. Ooh, this is another fun one too. How many times will the chains be used? This, Correct. I've never seen this one before. This is man, like it's it, fun. when when you talk about you know the consummating the marriage and then the next ones are doink and then how many times will chains be used? This is just getting a little a little much. And don't forget any injections. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the over-under is one and a half times the chains will be used to see if it's the first down. Under is one and a half at plus 150. I think it's going to be over, but the under could be fun. Um, you're going to be sweating out that there's no close plays, but I, I would just say AA the over personally at minus 200. Yeah. Shame. Just, just feel safe. Yeah. Shame that Gene Steratore is retired so he can't bet on over-under how many times a note card will be used to determine a first down. I literally had that you know, in my head. I'm like, I would love to bet how many times an index card is used to evaluate how close the first out is. Um, I saw this next bet on BetMGM. You can bet if Bitcoin price will go up or down during the Super Bowl. I don't know anything about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Sure, someone does. Um, but if it goes up as minus 125 and down as minus 105, I imagine there's going to be multiple commercials for it, so I would, I guess, bet the up. But again, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I feel like just you would probably bet the up just because of the Super Bowl. But yeah, I also don't know crypto. So uh, then there's uh, three different ones I saw for which commercial airs first. And these are versus. So we have BMW versus Coors Light. Uh, Coors Light is bringing back the Love Train commercial. Oh, so I love the minus yes. one third thirty. Love it. Great. 
Hellman's versus Booking.com. Uh, give me Booking.com, Booking.yeah at minus 120. Yeah, 100%. Yep. And then Drumstick. What is Uber Eats? What is Drumstick? I'm assuming drum, yeah, is Drumstick like the ice cream? I have no idea what Drumstick is. I don't know why it's there. I am just going to say Uber Eats because at least I know what it is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Drumstick. It looks like it's the... Uh... I don't know how to describe it, but the like the 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 doll sized person who like gets like a tattoo and stuff, like the the bleach blonde hair, the red sunglasses, who is love loves the Nestle drumsticks. Sure, you had me on tattoos. So we're gonna bet drumstick plus one hundred. Alright. Lock that one in. Uh, Alright, what do we got next? Oh the halftime. That's the fun stuff. Four five. Um, how many songs over under eight and a half? Now I don't know if this is categorized that they don't do the full song and they just do like a medley. Um, so I like the under at eight and a half. Uh, the Drake curse, which jersey or shirt will Drake be wearing? Uh, he's going to side with his girl Taylor. So I think he's going to go Chiefs and that's minus 170. Yeah, I, th I think Drake probably needs something to get the heat off of him after recent events. Oh, yeah. Didn't he spoke, like, post a video of him jerking off or something? I don't know. I just know that there was, in some way, shape, or form, a video uh, showing his, his dick uh, made the internet, which prompted John Cena on his Instagram to post a picture with Jake, or, uh, sorry, Drake's face on Jake the Snake Roberts, his body. <laughs> nice. I uh, love that. More wrestling references. Yes. Good for the chat. 100%. Uh, this one I found was really interesting. I'll tell you why. So it's first shown during America the Beautiful. It's Kelsey at minus 250 and Christian McCaffrey at plus 185. Those were the only two listed. I didn't remove anybody from this list. It was literally just those two. Which, if you want to put on your conspiracy theory brain, why highlight the two white position players? During America the Beautiful. Just throwing it out there. I would put Andy Reid, because I think he represents America in a couple ways. I agree 100%. I'm just telling you, he wasn't even listed. It was just Kelsey and McCaffrey. It didn't even include, you know, the Belldozer, which is an American icon as well. It wasn't Kyle Shanahan, the Juice, none of those guys. Just those two. Just thought that was odd. I like the over on this next one. Oh, on the over lock. It's how many times will Taylor Swift be shown? Okay. Over, under, now, four and a half. Now, is this only between kickoff and final whistle, or does this count pregame and postgame? Uh, I would assume their broadcast. Okay. that So that if that in includes pre- and postgame, I feel like this is an easy over. Yeah. I, I think I think it's their, their entire broad broadcast. Again, most of these you can't bet, like, through your phone, you have to be in Vegas at Bovada or whatever casino has this, uh, and they could probably give you more information. But four and a half over Taylor Swift time shown lock. Uh, Roger Goodell shown over under one and a half. I like the under. No, I like the over because they're going to show him at one point in like the second quarter and say, "Hey, he's here." And then he's going to do the post game. So the over just 
makes sense on one of the half, right? Yeah. Uh, will there be a streaker? Does yes plus three hundred, three hundred no minus five hundred. Does streaker include some like twenty one year old trying to make a political statement by being like a protester? Oh, absolutely. So okay. it actually was. The way it was listed was, will a non-accredited person enter the field of play and, like, stop play? Okay. Basically meaning, like, they, they had to stop and get someone involved to get them off the field. I just read streaker because it was easier. Fair. Probably be a streaker. But, yeah, I, I like the yes plus 300. I think we're in an election season. We're going to see a protest thing of some sort. Oh, so now politics are fair again. Okay, I see how you are. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I'm not talking about politics. I'm just saying I, I know what's going on in terms of uh, what people say around this area, and I stay away from it, but I know what's going on. All right, uh, next one up. I feel this is probably an easy no. Is it? So it's, will the MVP mention Taylor Swift in his speech? There's really only one person I feel like is even likely to do so, and I don't think the odds of that person winning MVP are probably as high as they should be. Or not as high as, not as, high as they should be, but just generally, I don't think the odds of it happening are very high. So you're saying if Kelsey wins, he thanks Taylor? I mean, do you think Mahomes would? And maybe... I think Mahomes would. I, I, I think... I think George Kittle would. <laughs> I'll have to say, George Kittle would definitely say it. Any defensive player for the 49ers. Those are like they would definitely mention it. Um, That's I fair. don't think Brock Brock Purdy would. But if we're going to go to the next question, I, I appreciate you trying to spell this last name. You didn't come close, but you tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like Wi-Fi. Uh, Taylor Swift to wear an outfit made by Kyle Juice Chech. Wife. I even forgot the word wife in there. Wow. And I did that sober. Um. So, no, 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 no. You did it right because you typed Christian. Use check. Oh, I did write Christian. Yeah, that, that was a copy and paste. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think Christian Use Check's wife is gonna be making something for Taylor Swift. No, she already had. No, Christian Use Check's wife. Because oh, she doesn't I, have a wife. Yeah. Okay. We. Uh, okay. It could be Molly, you don't know about their, their marriage. Okay. What are the odds here? Let's <laughs> move past this. <laughs> Swift, who are announced made by Kristen Juszczyk. Uh Yes, plus 270, no, minus 355. It's happening. Kyle wins it. He might thank Taylor for supporting his wife. You are just devoting a whole lot of scenarios to prove me wrong, and I appreciate that. That's what I'm here for. But yeah, I would vote yes on, on she's me wearing something made by her. Yeah, and I would vote, uh, I would bet no that She's in the speech, but there is multiple scenarios that it could happen. Uh, will Taylor Swift's travel plans from Japan to Las Vegas be shown during the broadcast? Yep. I think yes at plus 400 is a lock. Yeah. They're going to do that graphic like they do with Kirk Herbstreet where he traveled here and there. They're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to do the, uh, the Big Ten University commercial. Exactly. The map commercial, for those who know. You know. I don't know if anyone else was here. Yeah. That's good. Great, great commercial. Um, color of Taylor Swift shirt at Super Bowl, red minus 500, white plus 600, and yellow plus 800. So, There's also black black and blue listed. I just got rid, rid of those. 
what if what if it's like all three? I mean, if it's Chiefs, all three colors are gonna be on there. You going by the primary color? How do you judge what color is the most? What if it's like an you know a, a gradient? What if it goes from like yellow to red? It's like an ombre or whatever you want to call the fancy word. Yeah, I, I think it just goes by primary. Like you mm. show this generic person what color is this, and they're gonna say, "Oh, it's red." Better hope it's not go on. Better, it's gonna be red. Better hope it's not half and half. Yeah. Oh. Oh. No. Can you imagine how upset somebody would be if their bet got a push because they couldn't determine the color of Caleb Schiff's shirt? <laughs> it's going to happen somewhere in the world, and they'll like freak out and hit somebody like, I, I, I don't like this casino anymore, gambling's dumb, and then they'll be right back there four hours, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, my next bet, though, is will Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey be seen kissing on February 11th? Yes, minus 180, and no, plus 140. Uh, if they win, it's definitely a yes. If they don't, uh, I think I might lean the no, plus 140. Give me the plus sign. Yeah. All right. Uh, my last Taylor Swift one. Will Donna Kelsey hug Taylor Swift on the CBS broadcast? I think the yes right here is a lock, and it's minus 120. Yeah, what's going to happen? The Chiefs are going to lose. Donna Kelsey is going to disown Travis, and she's going to adopt Taylor. I've already talked about Taylor Swift too much today. So actually, one of my regulars, sweet guy, old guy, he lives across the street. Uh, he drinks ginger beer, which is not alcoholic, and he'll sit there for seven hours and just talk to us. It can be annoying, but he's a nice guy, so we just kind of like let it happen. He's an old school ACDC Led Zeppelin guy. Every time Taylor Swift is shown on TV, he just goes, Oh, look, it's Big Bird. So now I only refer to Taylor Swift as Big Bird in my brain. So if that ever slipped up in the chat, now you guys know why. All right. Good to know. Um, I feel like there's a pretty likely person for this next odds who has good odds, who I think has zero shot of even being there for recent events. So. I'm uh, not following. Uh, isn't Nicki Minaj on like a potential drug feud, fuel bender on Twitter attacking Megan Thee Stallion for stupid reasons? I feel like it would just be bad. Oh. I feel like it would be bad publicity for her to be at the Super Bowl. Oh, I had no idea that was happening. Uh, but the, the pet you're referring to is who will be a guest performer. We have Alicia Keys at minus three thirty, Lou Ludacris at minus two fifty, Lil Jon at minus one oh five, Nicki Minaj at plus two eighty, which I guess is not a thing anymore. Um, P. Diddy plus 350, Pitbull plus 390, Little Wayne, Bieber, Jay Z, Beyonce, Miley, Taylor Swift, but not all of Um, I do like Little John to definitely be, be there because it's in Vegas, and same with Alicia Keys because that just makes sense for Usher. I feel like Ludacris might be on there because he's been on, is it the State Farm commercials now? I feel like so, that's very convenient timing for him to start popping up after being, I don't want to say irrelevant for a long time, but I feel like he hasn't been very popular for a good little while now. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's on a, you know, a popular, you know, mainstream commercial. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah and, and, uh, of the people with plus, uh, plus odds, I do like little Wayne of plus 500. Uh, I'm shocked we haven't had a little Wayne in a Super Bowl yet. So think that makes sense all right and first song performed first song performed uh i don't know much about usher it's 
13. So I'll let somebody else kind of decide this. Uh, but yeah, it's plus 225. I know that song. My Way is also plus 225. I don't know it. And then DJ Got Us Fallen in Love, plus 500. Love in This Club. Oh My God, which I do know. That's with the guys from Black Eyed Peas. And then Boyfriend, Superstar, and Burr. So I don't really know Yale on that list, so I'm just going to bet yeah, plus 225. Okay, so what I did is I just went to Spotify, I typed in Usher, and I looked at what song was the most played that he ever has, and it's yeah. So that would be my bet. Yeah. A commanding lead, by the way, one billion one hundred sixty-seven million seven hundred twenty thousand nine hundred and eighty-seven plays as of with the recording. That's like a full. I do the math here. Almost. It'd be around four hundred thousand more than DJ got his phone. Yeah. Oh, breaking news. Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame. Oh, they're announcing this right now? I don't know. I just, I just got a notification. Devin Hester will officially be an NFL Hall of Famer. Good for him. Like, I, I really think he should be in there. It was, you know, it's a weird thing where the ballot seemed kind of full. Steve McMichael, Devin Hester, Julius Peppers. Oh, Jay Pep got in? I hope he goes in as a Panther. Does that even happen in, in the NFL? Do you really pick a team? No, but in my in my head, he is a Panther. So I, I hope he goes in as a Panther. It'd be my first of any of my teams that have a Hall of Famer. So I'm rooting for it. Really, nothing else has happened with the the, the Carolina. Team? No, Tampa. No, oh. Orlando probably, but everybody gets in in the Basketball Hall of Fame, so I don't even count it. Yeah. So yeah, between Carolina and Tampa, like no one's gotten gotten in. It was supposed to be Wade Boggs, who was in his contract when he signed, um, but then the committee changed the rules, and now they pick what team you go with as. No, you you get to still pick, but I think they have like veto power. Yeah, okay, then that's what it is, and they vetoed him going in as a double ring. Which, no offense, but like that was kind of dumb. Part of a contract. I don't know. If I sign a contract, I I commit to it. If you're a man of bringing your word. No, it's it's not that. It's just that, like... I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he clearly should have been a, a Yankee. No. Um, <laughs> it would be like Joe, Joe Montana picked and he went in as a Chief. To be fair, Boggs did win his ring as a Yankee. And then I believe he did proceed to wear it on, like, a trip back to Fenway for, like, a, when they, all of the old-timers were being introduced. I'm pretty sure he wore his World Series ring on the field. I mean, that's I just classic way to win Boggs. Rest in peace, dude. Miss him every day. Um, but some other breaking news for you. Uh, we're going to start a brand over here for yes. all of my teams. We do. We have a, a new team name for for Nathan, and I'll let you go ahead sure. and introduce it. Yeah, so I, I know the chat's been very vulgar lately, and I'm just appalled. So I just wanted to do something standard and just make sure that you know, I'm honoring my job that I've spent 60 to 70 hours a week at. Um, so I'm going to be rebranding as the Pennsylvania Pork Swords. And I'm sending you the logo now because I'd like to have your immediate reaction. Um, but this is not offensive. It's not an innuendo. I'm not referring to meat in any way. It's just, you know, I work at the Flying Pigs. We have pork. And I don't know how else, you know, I want to be aggressive. So Pork Swords, not vulgar. So. I would be lying if I said that I hadn't seen this before. I may have gotten spoiled on accident. But, ah, but 
anyway, you, uh, I do, made a great logo. I appreciate it. I see swords. I see they're made out of pork. And I see mm-hmm. zero possible connotation in which this can be seen as vulgar. So I think this is a perfect I agree. logo. I agree. You know, I know. It, it has, just trying to clean up, clean up the chat. You know, it, it has a good location, you know, Pennsylvania, because I, I like, you know, a location plus a team name, the pork swords, phenomenal. The, the logo is great. I think it flows off the tongue very well. Doesn't doesn't really get stuck in your mouth. No, it, does, I don't know. it just well, it know, might, goes in, in and out of your mouth really, really fluidly. Well, it might get stuck in your mouth with the stutter, but other than that, it doesn't really get stuck in your mouth. So. Yeah. I, you know, and I initially wanted it to be the Punxsutawney pork sword, um, but I didn't want any beaver jokes. So even as a groundhog, it's still in the beaver family. And I just wanted to avoid all of those innuendos and jokes. So we just went with Pennsylvania as the state. That's in high, I didn't think about that, but in hindsight, I think Punxsutawney would have been a really fun nickname. But you know, is what it is. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, there's kids out there. There's people that you know <laughs> haven't seen. You know the year 2002 yet i just want to make sure that their minds and ears you know stay clean and safe so sensor 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 i appreciate it so all right i also I'm glad someone does yeah and beyond that i appreciate you spending over an hour of your night with me going over uh prop bets for the super bowl so of course right yeah any, do it anyway yeah any any final Things here doesn't have to be Super Bowl related, but any just thing else while I have you here? No, I'm just really excited to hopefully bring some pork swords and um, you know shove it in everyone's mouth for talking bad about the pork swords. Um, and I just I just can't imagine anything better than a nice pork sword on a plate or in your home. So, so everyone go out and get some pork swords. All right, and to just add a little extra to this episode because, well, we only have one sport to talk about this week thanks to the NHL All-Star break. Uh, I had a a fine listener suggest that with baseball extensions being done to maybe kind of go through them and, you know, say who extended who and maybe give a few thoughts on them. I'm not going to be overly negative on any of these because just, you know, like it's... As much as I like to have my opinions on things, like I don't really think this is a good place to do this, you know, kind of highlight some of the uh, the particularly good ones and kind of look at some of the logic behind some of these and, yeah, have a uh, have a fun time with, with what we all did. So, alphabetic order, um, Alex starts off with a bunch of two-year deals and a couple of three-year deals. Goodman, two years for two million. Julien, three years for two million. Berger, two years for two million. Walner, two by two. Duran, two by two. And Logan T. Allen, three by two. Um, a lot of young players here, specifically hitters, all on relatively short-term deals for very, very cheap contracts here. Um, you got to think if you're Alex, you're just hoping that like maybe two, three, four of these guys, you know, kind of hits. Um, well, I guess figuratively and literally. Um, yeah, looking for, for cheap guys here, and I, I like a lot of the bets that Alex took here. Unsurprising, because I've said it before, and I'll probably say it again, I think he's the best at this in here. Like, when you take all four sports on aggregate. Um, the one thing I was a little surprised at is 
I kind of thought Everson Pereira would be kind of one for Alex's position because there's still some prospect pedigree there, even if he did not have a good showing in the bigs last year. But, I mean, if nothing else, just for, like, trade value, potentially. But, I mean, with, with how quickly Alex can turn this around if he really wants to, um, I can understand maybe wanting some more immediate impact guys. Um, because I, I truly do think there's a chance that if Alex wants to, I'm not saying go all the way in here, but I think he could, you know, make some noise, beat a few teams, and maybe be, like, eighth or ninth in the standings. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, next up uh, is Barry, who appears to have only used three extensions. I'll I'll double check on that, even though I, I in theory I did when I made this list. But I was kind of surprised to see Barry only made three. Um, I'm just gonna make sure that you know maybe Alex or myself didn't uh, uh, forget to mark some stuff down. So yeah, so Barry only made three extensions. Um, I was a little surprised here that he did not extend Brian Abreu. Um, I understand that he's not the closer in Houston. I was he's went out and got Josh Hader. So if anything, Abreu probably goes down to like third banana um, on on that bullpen. But even then, it's a good team. Abreu will get plenty of holds chances. And for 750k for a guy who, with his ratios, I believe he was a top 10 reliever last year. Um, obviously, the situation has changed slightly. But I kind of expected him to be extended. It's pretty rare that you'll see me um, stump for a reliever to get extended, but is what it is. I guess you could probably also say the same about uh, A.J. Smith-Shaver, kind of what I said for Pereira. Um, pretty good prospect pedigree there, and the extension would have been really cheap. And Barry obviously had the room to do so, but he chose not to, which, hey, I, I get it. Um, Raggins and uh, Bryce Miller. Um, both of whom, uh, Barry going with the max term on. I don't hate it. I mean, obviously, pitching can be quite volatile, but at a $4 million salary, you know, if these guys are even, like, 80% of what they were last year, I think that's, you know, a worthwhile salary to, to have them on, particularly Raggins. I think Raggins should more than than Miller, and I think, you know, depending on how you want to rank starting pitchers, I think Raggins could be in the mix around top 30 in baseball going into this year not necessarily dynasty but just from like a, even a redraft standpoint um he did make one other extension it was johnny deluca again a four million dollar salary for five years and look i know i said at the top i wouldn't be overly negative here but i don't get this at all i think this is probably the worst extension in the whole league this year um deluca showed like nothing at the major league level last year it was a small sample size but he moves to a team where Tampa Bay loves to platoon and when you look at their outfield you see Randy Rosarena in one quarter Josh Lowe in the other corner those two guys are starting against right-handed pitching that's just gonna be how it works and then you have Jose Siri in center field you don't truly employ Jose Siri for his bat because while he can hit homers you know, he's not a particularly good hitter outside of that, which means he's there for his glove because he's a pretty good defender. And center field, obviously, is a pre uh, premier defensive position that you want a good defender at. So that means their outfield is spoken for. And unless they trade a Rosarena, it's spoken for for a few years, which does not give DeLuca any chance to get into the lineup because at this point he's facing a short side platoon role on Tampa Bay. 
which immediately makes this a, a poor decision. But beyond that, um, Barry instead, just because he defies logic in this regard, could have extended DeLuca for three years, because if you like Johnny DeLuca and you think he could be good, uh, I would go three years, because that's the max term you can get for the $2 million extension, which allows him to be extended for another five years at $4 million if DeLuca is as good as Barry thinks he is. And if he's not as good, because let's face it, there's a really good chance that he's a cut candidate here very quickly, um, then it's uh, he's much easier to cut. So I just, I don't quite... Like, even if, well, I guess my point is, even if DeLuca is good and he gets enough playing time to be relevant, I still don't think this is a good strategy. But it's not only bad strategy, it's bad strategy for a player in a bad situation without much reason to believe he's a an impact player. So, moving on to Josh. Uh, we got Max Muncy at 3 by 6.75. Schwarber at 4 by 7 Duvall at 2 by 750 k Sonny Gray at 2 by 9 Gossman at 4 by 7.5 and Sale at 2 by 9 So three good bats, three good arms. Pretty status quo for Josh there. He retains the bulk of his top-tier pitching. Uh, will that pitching be better than the Walla this year? Yeah, it might be. Um, yeah, I think there's, you know, pretty understandable for all these. Josh is clearly in a win-now window. So extending all of his good veterans makes a ton of sense. Um, he did make some cuts. You know, guys like John Carlos Stanton are gone now. So it is a slight uh, change. I don't, uh, not, not really, but he, he did he did move a couple guys off the roster this year, but he's sticking with the veteran approach, obviously. And it's worked out quite well for him, and it's kind of surprising that he has not yet won a baseball championship with how good his team is. So got to think he's got a really good shot this year, of course. Muncy, quality hitter, Schwarber, you know what you're getting there. Four years, maybe a bit strong, but if he's going to hit 40 homers, I shit. <laughs> I, I, I would take that for four years. Um, Duvall for two years for under a million is just tremendous deal. Tremendous deal for, for Josh. Duvall doesn't even have to be as good as he was last year. He just has to be better than waiver quality, and that's a great, a great use of a roster spot. Sonny Gray, obviously incredible pitcher. Wish it worked out in New York, but for various reasons, did not. Uh, Kevin Gossman, one of the very best in baseball. Well, Gray is obviously really good too, but Gossman's just a bit higher on that regard. Four by seven point five for Gossman is very good business. Once again, age is maybe a bit high, but I don't know if Josh is really concerned about what his team looks like four years down the road. Um, although in four years, I bet Wander Franco's probably doing really, really good in the prison league. So. Uh, with Keefe, um, Andrew Abbott and Mason Miller both get three by two. Alex Lang gets one year at 750K. Jose Alvarado gets two years at 750K. So Keefe extends two relievers for, you know, uh, barely above minimum. I don't hate it. Both were pretty decent last year. As long as they're like top 50 relievers, I think you're, I think you're okay with it. And I think those two probably are. So there's not really much analysis on that. Um, Abbott and Miller, um, I don't know. So Abbott popped up last year as kind of like a kind of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but he definitely kind of popped off a little bit last year and put his name on the map more so than it had been previously. I just don't necessarily like the profile. I know there's a ton of question marks about his stuff. Like it works, but like on paper, it like shouldn't. 
but it works. So, it's, we'll see. I don't hate it, and 3 by 2 is, is stomachable. And Keefe has, like, hardly any money on his books, aside from all the money he loans out, of course. But in terms of actual salary, he doesn't have much on his books. Mason Miller is an in, more interesting um, bet here, because there's huge, huge reliever risk, because this dude has not stayed healthy at any point in his professional career. And it kind of seems like Oakland may be looking at him in the bullpen, but it's also Oakland, so I think they sh- it would behoove them to at least keep him in the rotation for a little bit longer. But we'll we'll see how that goes. But if nothing else, Mason Miller's a lot of fun. And if Mason Miller becomes, you know, Keefe's Matt Brash, yeah, I think it's worth it as someone who extended Matt Brash for that contract. Um, next up, we got Mike here. Uh, we're going in with Nate Lowe, two years down under 50K. Reese gets a one-year deal at 7.25. Verlander gets 17.5 million for two years. Wheeler, 4x9. Bradish, 4x6. Fott, 3x2. So hitting-wise, Nate Lowe, very cheap, productive, phenomenal contract for for Mike. Uh, Reese Hoskins, uh, a one-year deal on a guy who is coming off of a torn ACL. Shouldn't really affect his... Um, Will it affect his power? So when Acuna tore his ACL, I don't think he... What did, he, what did Acuna do in 2022? I think that kind of hit... hit or uh, I don't think his power was quite all the way back. Like I think there was maybe potentially in the back of his mind. Like I don't know if he was worrying about his knee on a swing, if he was not you know, going full bore on the swings because he just didn't quite feel it in his head. Yeah, Acuna played 119 games in 2022 and only hit 15 homers. So if you're getting Reese Hoskins, you're getting him for the homers for the most part. So hopefully Reese is a little better uh, in his mind when it comes to trusting his body than Acuna perhaps was. I don't want to you know, psychoanalyze that one, but for Mike's sake, hopefully that's the case. Otherwise, that may be a bit much of salary, but it's only a one-year deal. It's pretty low risk, and the reward is you know pretty strong because Reese could very easily be worth that. Next up is Justin Verlander getting the second largest contract in DSAC history in terms of average annual value for baseball. Still uh, miles off of the far superior Corbin Burns, of course, but uh, Verlander seems to defy father time. It just, he stays really good. Um, you could very, very clearly see some uh, signs of decline last year. So I don't know if I would have gone two years at his age, but... I do think I would have extended him with a few of the cap that Mike does. So last year he had a 3-2-2 ERA. Uh, the strikeout stuff was down below a 9K9. The velocity is just isn't there anymore. Uh, the projections are a 3-8-9 ERA and a 1-2-3 whip. Um, with the strikeout numbers down even further. So I'm a little surprised to see the ERA that high on ESPN's projections, but you know, is what it is, I guess. Wheeler, 4x9, phenomenal. Bradish, 4x6, phenomenal. Fott, 3x2, it's a pretty good bet because Fott was bad enough last year to keep the salary low. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't want to say hype, but a lot of people who like him. So I think there's good reason there to think that Fott, but in the, in the course of those three years, will become worth that contract easily. Um, particularly high on, on Bradish, I think. I'm kind of jealous that Mike has him, if I'm being honest. Um, next up is Nathan. Hey, there's Jose Siri. Speaking of, 2 by 2 for him. 2x6 for Lane Thomas, and then 2x2 each for Sawinski, Emmett Sheehan, Chase Silseth, and Michael Kobeck. 
So, Siri, Nathan gets to keep uh, the gifts. You know what gifts I'm talking about. Uh, Lane Thomas for 2x6 is a reasonable bet. Um, the term is pretty low, and the track record is not super long for Lane Thomas. So, $6 million may be a bit high at some point during the contract, but if nothing else, it's really easy to get rid of. Sawinski is a fun bet. He's a fun bet because he's incredibly streaky, but when he's on, he's power speed. Um, he's a fun player, I think, in Nathan's position. Despite how many outfielders he has, I like that. Also like Emmett Sheehan. I think he's fun. I don't know if he's going to be like high-end, but I do think he's, he's pretty good. So I would definitely, in, once again, Nathan's position, would love to have Sheehan. Silseth is he's quality. He's decent. And then Kopech is, there's some big reliever risk there too, by the way, with Kopech, because he was just miserable last year. But the White Sox are also miserable. So it feels like as long as they're miserable, they might as well try to figure out if they can get um, Kopech to, to be not miserable. So it's, it's worth a shot again. Nut is a bit of an interesting one. So 3 by 2 for Elder, Kramer, and Waka. Robbie Ray gets 3 years by 7.25. Woodruff gets 4 years by 7.25. And Yenier Cano gets 4 by 4. Um, the surprising one here is he did not keep Yandy Diaz, who he could have had for like 750k. Um, that felt like the most no-brainer extension, like maybe in the whole league. So curious to see what he gets in free agency. Um, I think he probably could have kept Lourdes Gurriel and Chris Bassett on short term as well. But I mean, I do think he extended good players, so can't be too picky on those guys, I guess. I don't love Elder. I don't love Kramer. I don't love Waka, but. I think they're okay. They, I think they are pitchers who would be bid on for agency and not get them for cheap. So it is what it is. But like I said, probably could have kept Yandy or Edison Bassett over those guys. Uh, Robbie Ray, easy extension. Obviously coming off Tommy John, so you got to see if he bounces back. But uh, you'll get a chance to see if he's back this year. And if he's not, then, well, you can probably find a way to, to get that money off your books. Not too terribly difficult. Woodruff is an interesting one because he's out basically the whole year with shoulder stuff. And shoulder stuff scares me way, way more than elbow stuff. I don't know if I would have touched Woodruff on an extension, to be honest. I probably would have kicked him back to free agency and tried to win him on like a four-year four year term like Nut got. Or, of course, less term, potentially. But if you're going to go four years, I would have tried my luck in free agency getting less AAV for him. But we'll see. Yenier Cano at 4 by 4 for a reliever who is not the closer in kind of came out of nowhere last year is a bit much i could see that having really bad outcomes potentially but if he pitches like he did last year then hey it's, i guess it won't be too bad um paulo extended geloff five by four friedel three by four two rang and kikuchi three by two hauser and cobb two by two so i like i like geloff and I like friedel i think those guys played very well last year i think they're young enough to have the upside i would keep those around if you're paulo um, Kikuchi, I would definitely have extended too because I think he's worth the worth the bet. He showed some changes last year that I think could make him actually viable on more than a streaming basis. So I like that. Bryce Turang, you know, young guy with some prospect pedigree. See what you got there. Uh, but Hauser and Cobb, I don't understand. Like the contracts are, like, I guess they're not bad. But if you're going to trade for extension rights for pitchers, like there's better out there than Hauser and Cobb. Cobb is out for spring training list. He'll be a late start with a hip surgery. And then Hauser, I just don't really think he's like 
I could. I probably probably would have tried to trade for two different players, but hey, it's uh, cheap and you can easily cut them in your one if you absolutely have to. So nothing too bad there. Uh, Ping extends Altuve 4 by 12.5. The Astros must have gotten inspired by that because he got a fat extension after this. A Machado 4 by 11.25. Big money being shelled up by Ping here. Verdugo at 4 by 2.75. Clevenger 2 by 2. Braxton Garrett 4 by 4. And Ashcraft 2 by 2. So Altuve and Machado are no-brainers for the window. You extend them as long as you think they can be kind of relevant and you just deal with it at the very end if you don't think they're... Or, you know, you got to think, you know, maybe Ping's not as competitive at that point in time. Or maybe he is able to farm his way to replacing guys on his roster and not miss a beat and just kind of churn through uh, the veterans as he calls up his prospects. So we'll see about that. But I think you go for charm on those guys. You lock them up. You don't want to have to worry about a second extension for them. Try to get as much of them as you can for this first extension and just deal with it later. Um, Verdugo's cheap. Uh, Braxton Garrett showed some flashes last year. I don't know if I would have gone to four years at $4 million, but I don't think it's bad. Like I, I would be surprised if Garrett is not at least close to that value. And then Graham Ashcraft on a 2x2 two two is the DSAC equivalent of Tobias and Lindsay in Arrested Development sitting down about therapy. Well, did it work for those people? No, it never does. I mean, these people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might. But, but it might work for us. Good luck, Ping. Uh, looking at me now, J.P. Crawford, 3x2, Austin Riley, 5x4, Reynolds, 4x4.5, Kershaw, 2x10, and Montgomery, 3x2. Crawford was the, the last extension I did. I kind of mulled over it and decided to give him three years by $2 million. In hindsight, maybe I would have gone 2x2. Two two. I don't hate it, though. Um, he's always had a good eye, so he started walking more than he had in the past, which gives him some OBP floor. Um, he had a lot more power than he did in the past, but I think he spent a, a winner at driveline. Um, before last year, so I'm just hoping he can be a, I know, an acceptable middle infield option for me. I don't need him to be a star. I just need him to do what he did last year for a couple years, and I'll be very happy with that. Austin Riley at five years by four million was one of the most no-brainer extensions, of course. Uh, one of the very best hitters in baseball. One of the very best dynasty players in baseball. Um, and I got him locked up for max term at a stupid cheap contract. Love that value. Also like the value on Brian Reynolds. I get him locked up for the rest of his prime at four four point five million. I think it's a great value because if we were to redraft right now and extend, you know, not extend, but if we were to redraft right now and give out the contracts according to um, the round that they were drafted in, such as Chris did when we started, I think Brian Reynolds would have been drafted early enough that his salary would be higher than this. So. I get a, a quality outfielder, pretty well-rounded player, and I get him for cheap. Kershaw at 2x10 is a no-brainer for me. Obviously, I love Kershaw, biggest Kershaw fan in the league. Um, I don't expect him to be worth $10 million in terms of PR, but when he's not in the lineup because he'll be hurt, like he's you know coming off surgery this offseason, uh, then he's on my IL and it doesn't really matter. And he has a player option on this new contract he signed in real life. I think there's a decent chance he could pitch next year. So we'll see about that, but uh, it's cheap enough for a guy who, when he's pitching, is one of, in my opinion, one of the top three, top five pitchers in baseball on a rate basis still. He's still that good. So love it. And then Jordan Montgomery, three years, $2 million is another ridiculously cheap contract. That'll take him for the rest of his prime. Um, hasn't signed yet, but he'll be signing in Texas once Texas figures out their TV rights. Just a tremendous 
tremendously cheap pitcher. He's not sexy. He's not flashy, but he's just effective. And I think you need some guys like that who were, you know, the, the term that Mike and I are familiar with is oatmeal for this because you're not overly excited about it, but it's fine. You you need some of it, but you don't love it. I actually do love Monty, though. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, hey, look, Ronnie loves one of his players. Who'd have thunk it? But yeah, he's been very effective. And $2 million for Jordan Montgomery for the volume you'll get from him is ridiculous. Next up is Spencer, who had seven extensions, thanks to Keith. While you can't trade extensions, um, you can trade the extension rights to a player, and that's what happened here. So Keith basically, it was basically a sign-in trade to get Spencer to seven. Um, Yanier Diaz, three by two. Um, Kerry Carpenter, two by two. Zach Gallon, five by 7.5. Ozuna, 1.6. Steele at two by 750K. Bybee, four by four. Ober, three by two. Uh, Diaz is a very cheap catcher option for a team that historically has eschewed them, but now that we're under new ownership here, I think you're seeing an emphasis on the catcher position finally. Uh, Yander Diaz is highly thought of, at least in in fantasy baseball world. I'm surprised to see him high on as high on some of these lists as he is. He's pretty comfortably like a top seven catcher in terms of like redraft stuff, which, I mean, I guess I don't hate it, but I was kind of surprised to see a guy who kind of came out of nowhere last year um, vault up that highly already. But for that price, see if you can get a catcher, if you can get decent offensive production from catcher, that's tremendous. Kerry um, Carpenter at 2x2 two two is pretty decent deal. We'll see what his role is because uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see what he does because the Tigers brought in Matt, Mark Canna. It's probably likely Parker Meadows is your new center fielder, and it's probably likely that uh, what's his nuts? Riley Green. Uh, maybe go into right field with his arm. so Or maybe left field. I don't know. They'll put him in a corner and they'll let Mar- Meadows play center, I think. So I'm curious to see where Carpenter fits in unless he's going to DH. Um, Zach Gallon at 5 by 7.5. Um, admittedly, I was kind of skeptical he would be able to keep up his production last year for the whole year. You know, I, I publicly said that in the chat, of course. And, well, he did it. So, hey, props to Zach Gallon. 5 by 7.5 is a steal of a deal. Love that contract for Spencer. He's young enough that he'll be worth it for the whole time. You know, of course, assuming health. But you have to assume health in this. So, yeah, I think that's one of the best contracts out there for this free agency. Or extensions, rather. Ozuna at 1.6. Or 1 by 6. Uh, big boy hits homers. It's the analysis there. Justin is a steal of a contract at 2 years, 750K. Even if he regresses, like, a decent amount, like, he could be, you know, once again, he just has to be above waiver quality for that contract to be worth it. And he showed last year that he's way above waiver quality. So this is another one of the very best contracts you've seen here in extensions. Tanner Bybee, 4 by 4 In my opinion, the most interesting uh, pitching prospect called up last year who was not previously owned. So love this contract. I think there's enough there about Bybee to to like to keep him around for four years, and a $4 million salary for a guy that young is pretty cheap, especially considering his ceiling. Uh, we all know Spencer loves Bailey Ober. I think he pitched better than he probably – the number. I think his results last year were probably better than they will be this year because I don't really buy into him being quite that good, but he's effective. He's very tall but doesn't have a ton of velocity, which is a little surprising. But he's a quality pitcher. He's certainly above waiver wire quality in – Hey, that's Spencer's guy, so got to love it. And finally, Tom extends Chaz McCormick, 4 by 4 Kenta Maeda, 2 by one75 Seth Lugo, 2 by 4 Brian Wu, 2 by 2 Reese Olsen, 2 by 2 Christopher Sanchez, 2 by 2 
Chaz McCormick kind of had a bit of a breakout last year. A little bit of a well-rounded player in Houston. A little bit of power, a little bit of speed. Uh, Dusty Baker didn't like to use him as much as Houston fans wanted Dusty Baker to use him. So new manager, got to think maybe Chaz will be unleashed and he can, you know, be well worth the $4 billion he's getting. Kenta Maeda, super cheap, and he's at a good park. Um, the fastball kind of sucks. And by kind of, I mean really sucks. <laughs> but the secondaries are all pretty good for Kenta still. So I think he'll be well worth that contract for that price. And then from there, oh, I guess we'll do Seth Lugo too first year because I think Seth Lugo's primed to have a, a pretty decent year. I think $4 million would be worthwhile for Lugo. And he gets some, Tom gets it for two years. So I, I do like that extension. I think that's like a sneaky, decent extension. From there, Wu, Olsen, and Sanchez, all of them are kind of young. Sanchez may be older than I think, but they're they're all kind of young. They all get two years, and they're all super cheap for $2 million. Incredibly low at risk with pretty good reward. Um, yeah, you know, I, I infamously uh, claimed the Flamingo to be the worst pitching staff in baseball last year. You know, they clearly performed better than that, and I think Tom does a good job of keeping some young talent around on uh, worthwhile contracts, so... Anyways, what was supposed to be a brief review turned into 27 minutes, so hope you guys um, kind of enjoyed it, at least. Alrighty, thank you very much for listening here as we are at the end. Thank you very much to Nathan for coming on. Hope you all enjoyed listening to another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast, and I will catch you all next time.